Uh, let's get into God's word tonight, though. Again, Leviticus 19, we're picking it up in verse 19. And it's a good, it's a good place to pick up because he starts verse 19 by saying, you shall keep my statutes. And in the previous 18 verses, we looked at several different statutes. Tonight, we'll look at more. And all of these statutes, for the most part, fall under uh, the, the, you know, the umbrella of the Ten Commandments. And you could say these, these are um, truths being brought forth or statutes being brought forth that, that you could say it's the Ten Commandments applied as the Lord had given him that law there, and now he's breaking it down. You know, when it says, thou shalt not commit adultery, it's just not talking about, you know, a, a married person cheating on their spouse. That's getting into a whole realm of immorality. In fact, we'll touch more on that tonight. Uh, that is any, any, you know, a, uh, sexual relations outside of marriage between a man, a woman, and holy matrimony. And so what you start getting in Leviticus, what you start getting in, in some of these books is a detailed account of these various things and then last week we talked about um you know the moral law in the new testament that a lot some of the stuff ceremonial law and we point that out when we come to that and it was given to protect the israelites uh practically it was also to have them separated from the nations around them that didn't practice these things that god was calling them to that they would be a people set apart a peculiar people and those things are you know, at a, a, a shadow, and Jesus is, again, the substance of these things. And so we'll talk about that when we come to those uh, matters and so forth. But again, uh, verse 19, he says, you shall keep my, sta- uh, my statutes. So notice here, he says, you shall keep them. He's not putting forth a suggestion here. This isn't, well, you can keep them if you want, and if you don't want to, that's okay as well. No, this is the statutes of God. And again, they're his. This aren't, th- these aren't Moses' statutes. This wasn't, uh, you know, a committee that got together and decided this is the word of God before us tonight. And so we want to keep that in mind. And we need to know that, again, listen, in Christ, we are saved by grace through faith. And that's what saves us, the shed blood of the Lord. But as I mentioned in communion, the scripture declares, let all who name the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And God's called us to live holy lives. God's called us to live lives set apart for him and in that, he doesn't say, well, I save you, now you're on your own. The beautiful thing is we get saved and we get sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. And we get the Word of God. And God gives us gifts and fellowship and so forth. Uh, we have a relationship with Him. And he said, if we abide in Him, we'll bear much fruit. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. So even that call that we are called to walk in of holiness, uh, just as we're saved by grace, we walk in that walk by grace, His divine influence in our life. And so we want to be a people drawing near to him even as we look at these things tonight and these things that apply to us even today, uh, what God would want for us. We see his will for us in these matters. And it's not just the Lord, again, saying, you shall keep my statutes, but he's saying, keep my statutes. And again, biblically, Jesus said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. How do we keep these things? By drawing near to him through his strength. Because in ourselves we break these statutes. In ourselves. The law shows us we're sinners, and it's a tutor that teaches us something, right? It teaches us we need a Savior. And then when we come to Him as Savior, His Word teaches us to draw near to Him. He wants to draw near to us that we could walk in victory, and we know when we fall short, let's call out to Him and get up and move forward in Him, that we wouldn't squander our lives but live lives uh, unto His glory. So the first thing He says here, again, you shall keep my statutes, he says, you shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. 
You shall not sow your field with mixed seed, nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. Now, this is part of the ceremonial law. Uh, if you want to uh, wear a garment with uh, linen and wool, praise the Lord. In fact, some of you probably have some mixed garments on even tonight. And if you want to take your field and you want to mix it with, you know what, different seeds, you have the freedom to do that in the Lord Jesus Christ and so forth. We have to know the reason that this was put into place because God was trying to teach them a principle in this. He was trying to keep them that they were to be separate. They were be, to be holy. They were to be uh, set apart unto him. Remember, this chapter starts with him saying, be holy as I am holy. Be set apart as I'm set apart. As they went into Canaan, God did not want them mixing the worship of the Lord with the worship of Moloch and these pagan gods. As they were leaving Egypt, he was not wanting them to take those Egyptian gods with them and worship the Lord with those Egyptian gods. And remember, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, and they're like, hey, we don't know what happened to this guy, and they started worshiping a calf. Where did they get that idea from? They got it from Egypt. And they tried to mix that worship of demons in Egypt with the Lord because they said, oh, let's make a calf. And then they were going to call it the Lord. And remember, God said, you better get down there and deal with this situation and so forth. And, and he did. They all drank a, a, a gold flake smoothie. Remember, he grounded it up and they threw it and he said, dish up, guys, you're going you're gonna to drink and so forth. Um, so this is something that was being taught to them, uh, you know, to teach them to be separate. And this principle is true today uh, for us as followers of Christ. Again, not in the form of, of garments and mixing seed and those sorts of things, but in our call to follow the Lord. We look at the church of Laodicea, and it's a mixed church. It's a church that has taken hot and cold and mixed it together. And what you get from that is lukewarmness. And we talk about this oftentimes that, you know, at the first reading there in Revelation, you would think when the Lord says you're neither hot nor cold, uh, but since you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. A lot of people take that to mean, you know, I either got to be on a fire Christian or like, I guess, a really super backslidden Christian. Uh, but if I'm lukewarm mixing them, that's really what the Lord doesn't like. And uh, that's not what that's saying. Uh, he's talking about mixing truth and error. And the word Laodicea means man's opinion. And that's what's going on in that end times church. And I think it's much of Christianum today. Where they're taking their opinion. And they're taking God's word. And they're mixing it together. And what they're coming up with is something that is not holy. It's not something that's set apart. They're trying to be God's PR man. They're trying to take the word of God. And they're trying to make it appealing to the flesh of men. And so he has called us not to mix his truth with our opinion. He's, not, he's calling us not to mix uh, his truth with doctrines of demons and philosophies of men. Now, there can be some areas that, again, we, we, we can have an opinion in lighter matters that the word of God does not speak to, but his truth is his truth. And we are never to, again, take the philosophies and mindsets of men and so forth and mix them in. And you see it happening in so many places. We also know that we're called to be in the world and, and we're familiar with the phrase to be in the world, but what? Not of the world. We're called to be a peculiar people. Second Corinthians six seventeen, and there's so many verses along these lines. 
he says therefore come out from among them and be separate says the lord do not touch what is unclean and i will receive you and i will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the lord almighty and in the full context of this before this he's talking about not being or, or being unequally yoked with the world now again it's not saying that we're we're not to uh not be in the world we absolutely are we're to be out there letting our light shine amongst people who need the lord jesus christ but this is talking about again getting yoked up with them with their philosophies and their mindsets and you know what the way they live their lives we're to be a people separate and notice the promise here when we say yeah i'm going to be in the world i want to love non-believers i want to be a light to them but i'm okay not being accepted in the inner circle i'm okay with them knowing i'm different and and that's where we need to be i think there's a lot of christians that, that they're not comfortable with that you know i want to be in the world and i want to be accepted by the world i want to get in the club and so forth and if you're going to follow the lord that's not going to happen hopefully again the way you live your life will be a witness to them and 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 there's gonna be some people that respect that and others that trample it to some it will be a fragrant aroma of life and others it will be an aroma of death but he's calling us again to be separate to be known as believers uh, to be known as a people that don't talk the way that they talk they don't think the way that they think they don't act the way that they act and so forth and that's not us acting holier than thou but walking in humility and you know walking in the call of god upon our lives bearing fruits of the holy spirit and notice this though again there in second corinthians uh, he says come out and be separate then he says i'll be a father to you and you should be my sons and daughters says the lord almighty uh, he is our father in christ we are as sons and daughters in christ but this seems to be indicating that when we say listen i really want to live a life under the lord and i'm okay with not being included you know what on the top of the list or in the group in that sense that's okay because my relationship with the lord just excels all the more when i'm saying i want to live my life unto god when i want to live my life according to the scripture when i'm going to be careful not to mix in the world's opinion or even my own you know what uh, thoughts on this that contradict the word of truth there's great blessing found in that now notice verse 20 through 22 he says whoever lies carnally with a woman who is betrothed to a man as a concubine and who has not at all been redeemed nor given her freedom for this there shall be a scourging but they shall not be put to death because she was not free he shall bring his trespass offering to the lord to the door of the tabernacle of meeting a ram as a trespass offering the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of trespass offering before the lord for his sin which he has committed and the sin which he has committed shall be forgiven him and so he's talking here about fornication whoever lies carnally with a woman and a few weeks ago in leviticus 19 we saw biblically that absolutely the lord is the one that uh you know created sexual relations and he created it with the attention with the intention for one man and one woman in holy matrimony that have made that commitment before god before man to dedicate their lives to one another to um, to to become one flesh together uh in a way to become uh, you know uh, one life together that's what the lord blesses everything outside of that is sexual sin 
It all is. Whether it's heterosexual, uh, a, a man and a woman together that aren't married, a woman with someone's husband, uh, you know, two men getting together, two women getting together, whatever it would be. I mean, the scripture even uh, addresses some of these um, even more gross and perverse actions and activities there in Leviticus 18. It's all sexual sin. Jesus Christ commented on it. Jesus Christ said, from the beginning, God made the male and female, and for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to the wife, that you shall become one flesh. That's the Lord Jesus' commentary on sexual relations. But again, even today, there's a lot of people wanting to mix their opinion into that, right? And I hear people say, well, the Lord never talked about homosexuality. Actually, Jesus is God, and we read something called the Word of God. (laughs) What do you think, the Lord didn't have influence on the scriptures john says in the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god and so when we read the word of god we're reading the mind of the father the son and the holy ghost but people so desperately want to again appease the world or walk in rebellion or they're not even born again they want to mix in their own opinion and boy what a lie of the enemy well jesus never directly addressed that well absolutely addressed it he addressed all of it again man and a woman that's the way god made them so he's addressed a lot of issues of today right when you got people with their three-year-old sons saying i think i'm a girl because the preschool teacher has encouraged him to explore that and then a parent starts catering to that that's child abuse is what that is um foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and any parent to go along with that even more foolishness is bound up in their heart we're going to give an account before god on that but jesus said male and female that's the way the lord made them and then he also comments on eunuchs people you know with uh you know perhaps issues in the genitalia area and whatnot but there's still either a male or female chromosome there in that and um again outside of that sin and yet someone would want to say, well, he didn't directly say anything about it. He absolutely did. There's a lot of things that Jesus didn't directly talk about, but we know that they are absolutely wrong. And so to take that angle, and I mention that because a lot of people take that angle. Now here he's talking about really uh, an area of, of fornication. Um, betrothed to a man, uh, hasn't been redeemed or given her freedom, this would be a dowry hasn't been paid for uh, you know, the woman because dowries would be paid when they would enter into holy matrimony. Uh, where it says given her freedom would be referring to her being free to marry because the dowry has been paid. And so they're skipping the steps given by the Lord here. They're just saying we're going to go right here to uh, jumping in the sheets together. It's fornication. It's, it's sinful. And so he says in this case there's going to be a scourging and sin is pleasurable for a season but there's always a scourging that's going to come <laughs> it's always going to come and uh i don't i don't want to get too graphic in it but if you just start looking at our nation today that is just so sensual and and so driven with sexual sin there's so many ramifications of it around us there's there's so many there's so much that comes out of that that is hurtful uh, and again sin is pleasurable for a season and and we're not going to lie and say that's not the case the bible even declares that um, but as you look over our last 40 50 years 60 uh, million abortions 
the majority coming from uh, unwedded sex, um, the, the amount of sexually transmitted diseases, they say it's up to about 100 million people in our country. Um, you start looking at just the brokenness. I, I firmly believe that the divorce rate is so high in part because there's so much fornication before people enter into marriage. You know, the Lord said, one man and one woman shall become one flesh. It's the idea of them binding together. And if, if you take, and I've used this illustration before, a couple boards and you glue them together and then you rip them apart, what are you going to have? You're going to have two splintered boards. And you start gluing that board to another board and another board and another board and tearing them and tearing them and tearing them. You've got a lot of splintered people around today that don't even know how to function in a relationship. They don't have the ability to die to themselves because their life has just been driven by uh, self-pleasure. And, and marriage should be more so, again, there's attractions and things that need to be there, but it's about, I love this person so much, I want to lay my life down for them, and it's more so what I can do for them than what they're going to do for me. But we're just all messed up in so many ways in this culture. And so, again, there's a price to be paid. And for them uh, in particular here, the price would be a scourging. And I would think today if you get caught fornicating and there was a scourging, a real scourging that came from it, I, I think those numbers would probably drop down quite a bit, you know. Um, why would there be a scourging? Because the Lord w- was trying to, to, to keep them from harm. This wasn't a scourging of, oh boy, God, you know, I'm having a good time and God's a party pooper and we're, we love each other. Yeah, dowry hasn't been paid and there's no commitment, but we love each other. And oh God, you're the bad guy. That's, that's how Satan presents it, right? No, the Lord wanted them to know, listen, you're going to do this. There's going to be consequences. There's going to be a scourging that comes with it, which would hopefully put a fear of God in your heart. Remember the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom? Okay, I fear that happening, so I'm going to make the wise choice. We are not going to fornicate. And I'm really going to weigh this out. Do I really love this woman? Am I you know, willing to bring a dowry and so forth? Am I willing to take those steps of fear of God? And again, there might not be a literal scourging uh, with sexual sin today that is encouraged in so many places, along with many churches. I, I just read recently about an evangelical church. The pastor on Sunday morning apologized on behalf of Christendom to the homosexual community and said, we are all wrong, you're all fine where you are, and you know what, you can be a born-again homosexual. I thought there's no fear of God whatsoever in this man. And to be the case with any sin, um, again, it goes against nature. It's not God's plan. This is the word of the Lord, and there's a scourging that comes with that. There's ramifications that come with that. There's going to be ramifications that come on that individual, on that church, and you better believe there's horrendous ramifications that come out of that lifestyle in particular. It's so harmful and destructive and so this was being put forth again to put a fear of God in them and we need to grow in the fear of God in these things and it's not a fear of God being a bully or some abuser but reverence for our father that loves us and a loving parent is going to chastise their kid they're going to love them that kid's going to know they're secure in that home they're going to be provided for but they also know that if I transgress the law put forth there's going to be consequences in that. And a parent that does not 
discipline their child, that parent is not loving their child, they're loving themselves. Because there is some truth to that phrase, it hurts me more than it's gonna hurt you. Is there not? I mean, if you take pleasure in spanking your kids, you got issues there, (laughs) you know? Though I will admit there's been a few times where like, boy, I'm going to lay one in on you. And, you know, the flesh comes out a little bit of, I'll get a little bit of satisfaction out of that. But you know what I'm saying in it. For them, again, a scourging. But then notice here, verse 21, you bring a trespass offering to the door of the Lord. And a ram is a trespass offering. And the priest makes atonement. And it goes on and it says, the sin he has committed has been forgiven. And what a picture of Jesus Christ. Outside of him, we, we, we deserve that scourging that the Lord took on the way to the cross. We deserve those nails in our hands and to be crucified and to be separated from him for all eternity. But praise God, our, our priest has made atonement in laying down his own life. He is the sin offering. He is the trespass offering. And when we come to him as non-believers, he forgives us of our sins and positionally we're made right with them through the shed blood of Jesus. Is that not good news? And then as followers of the Lord, practically, we're going to fall short at times. Bring that before your Lord. Don't let that stew. Don't go on a, don't go on a binge. Don't go on a, a bender when you, you know, fall into sin. Bring it quickly to God. Bring it to Him. Be honest with Him. Listen, if you're harboring it in your heart, if, if you're making provision for Him, and you just feel like you can't get out of it, bring that to him. Be honest with God, and he'll meet you where you are at. Verse 23, he says, And when you come into the land and have planted all kinds of trees for food, then you shall count their fruit as uncircumcised. Three years it shall be uncircumcised to you. It shall not be eaten, but in the fourth year all its fruit shall be holy as a praise to the Lord. And in the fifth year you may eat its fruit, that it may yield to you its increase. I am the Lord your God. This is one of those things that God wanted them to practice to learn dependency upon him. Again, ceremonial law here. If you plant a lemon tree and if you get a lemon the first year, you have God's blessing of going ahead and eating that lemon under the new covenant. But again, it was a principle being taught. As they were going into the land of Canaan, they would be planting trees and so forth. He says the first three years that land is, or that, that fruit is not to be eaten. It's to be considered uncircumcised, or you could say it'd be considered unclean. And then on the fourth year, the first fruits, and it would probably be the fourth year that they would actually get a pretty good sized crop on that tree, that wouldn't be for them. They were to take that again as an offering to the Lord to give of their first fruits to God. And then he says, in the fifth year, you may eat the fruit. And notice here, there's a promise that it may yield an increase. So in other words, put me first. Be dependent upon me, not the two-year-old fruit tree in your front yard. Trust me in this. As the first fruits come in, honor me with those. And with that, there's an assurance that you are going to have an increase from that tree from there on out. This would be a test of their faith. Will they believe God in this? That third year, when you're starting to get, you know, different fruits up and so forth, it'd be very tempting to go and say, what's the big deal? I'm going to go eat of it. Well, the big deal is the Lord said, don't. The Lord said, don't trust in that tree that you can see. Trust in me and my promises. And really, in a way, it was a type of test upon them. 
to really show them where their faith lied. And it wasn't a short test, wasn't it? It was a five-year test. This would take some endurance. This would take some perseverance and so forth. And I'll tell you, there's, there's a, especially in the West, I believe, a real lack of, of endurance and perseverance. And I've uh, been noticing, it's been popping up a lot in my devotions, just that word endure and endurance and, and do not grow weary because it's so easy to grow weary. It's so easy to, to lose our endurance in the midst of, you know, at the enemy waging a war of attrition. And I'll tell you, endurance comes from faith from trusting in the Lord, from trusting in his ways, trusting in his promises to, to, to say, I'm going to forge forward because the Lord has called me to and he's going to go before me. And we're going to get through this trial. We're going to get through the next one and so forth. The Lord's going to go before us. We're going to work through this situation and we're going to press forward in him. And I'll tell you, as a fellowship, I'm praying for endurance for us and praying for endurance for you. And um, it's sad, you know, to a degree when you pastor someone for a long time. And in October, it'll be 20 years exactly for me here uh, as a senior pastor uh, of of people you see kind of come and go. And people you see serve for a season and so forth. And I'm not judging anyone's heart in it. It's not my place. But you see a lack of endurance, whether they grow tired, they grow weary, uh, just they get bogged down or whatever it is and uh i just know we need endurance and it's something that we need to be aware of asking god for it and to know it comes out of faith just trusting in him and uh we really got to have a soldier's mentality i read the other day it says endure hardship as a good soldier of christ that doesn't sound very appealing does it you know hardship i got to endure hardship he says endure it as a good soldier of christ again knowing that this is a light momentary affliction and we talked about this recently on Sunday morning of how so many people's idea of, of, of Jesus is, you know, yeah, I get saved from my sins and then he's here to keep all hard, hardship away from me. That's what he's there for. And that's how he's presented. A false Christ is presented in many places that Jesus is here to give you your best life ever. The name of the one Joel Osteen book, right? And it's not the best life ever in saying I'm going to soldier up and endure hardship, but it's going to be the best ever because I'm walking with Jesus it's about come to Jesus and you'll get a yacht and you know you'll get the best 401k ever and you're going to get all this stuff and you know it's it's genie Christ you rub his belly and get what you want versus Jesus Christ him getting you giving you what you need and working on your character and having the privilege of suffering for Christ not to save us but remember Peter and John they got a beat down for serving the Lord and they rejoiced because they said we are counterworthy to suffer for the Lord I remember Moses, he counted the sufferings of, of, of the people of God greater than, than the passing pleasures of Egypt. And all the passing pleasures that you could possibly think of, I know they were the ancients, but they were available. And he said, I would rather, I count the sufferings of the people of God of far more value than these passing temporary pleasures. So again, it's that endurance, it's that mindset of of soldiering up and saying yes there's some hardship but what a privilege to be a soul what a privilege to be in the lord's army what a privilege to know him to, to to be living for something eternal and maybe tonight you're in here and you're discouraged or you're you know maybe you know some brothers or sisters and they, they they've kind of sat down and they're not enduring listen encourage them with this truth 
We need to encourage each other and pray for each other and try to lift one another up in this because uh, there's enough opposition. We need to be building one another up in the Lord. Verse 26, he says, you shall not, uh, and then at the end of that, again, verse 24, we looked, or 25, we saw this last week, I am the Lord your God. And he keeps reminding them that throughout this instruction. I gotta get going here. We gotta, we gotta get through this chapter. You shall not eat anything with blood, nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying. You shall not shave around the sides of your head. You shall not disfigure the edges of your beard. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Now again, they were not to eat anything with blood. We know that in the new covenant, though those Gentiles in Acts 15 were to refrain from things with blood, that was more for cultural reasons. Because Gentiles were practicing paganism with blood sacrifice, and Jews had been instructed by the ceremonial law not to eat anything with blood. So he said, you're going to be better off just not touching it, otherwise it's just going to be this big old issue. But in Christ, again, he told Peter, rise and eat. We have freedom in the Lord. It's not what goes into our stomach that defiles us. It's what comes out of our mouth. He was telling them, though, not to eat things with blood, again, for health reasons. They didn't have refrigeration. This would not be good for them. It would contaminate the camp. Also remember, he's teaching them the principle that life is in the blood. It was that understanding that when the Messiah come, he would shed his blood, his life would be laid down. It was a sacred thing. And then also, as I just touched on, for occult reasons, because the context here is don't eat anything with blood, nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying. Divination would be occult, um, demonic uh, practices with enchantments. Think about a Ouija board. Those things really work because you are communicating with demons with those things. You are not communicating with your uncle who passed away, but instead a familiar spirit, which we'll get to here in a second if I can get going here. Think about enchantment. Think about well witching. People practice that today. That is occultic. That is divination. The thing making those sticks move is demons. It is not some scientific thing that makes a couple twigs move in your hands. And I've, I've talked about this before, someone that I knew that was a well witcher, and I said, give me those things. And I took them, and I walked over, and it moved. I go, now watch this. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand still, and those things wouldn't move. A, 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 they wouldn't even budge. And the guy threw them down. He's like, I'm never doing this again. Again, that's just an experience, but they're divining rods, divination. So think about, we talked about liver gazing. Remember, they would take the liver, and they would gaze because of all of the the um the the grooves in it and so forth and they would have a demonic experience think about skyring we've talked about this where they would stare into a mirror and people do this today they stare into a black mirror it's like looking in a crystal ball and demons will communicate to them and so forth talked about the fact that thomas edison invented the television and the radio or the radio was invented in the television to try to communicate with the dead they weren't trying to get you nbc in your house they were trying to communicate with the dead and the demonic. And uh, I think we even communicated a lot from the demonic, from the television. <laughs> and horoscopes and so forth. And then soothsaying is the idea of fortune telling. And in a second here, we'll talk about familiar spirits. There are demons that are familiar with you. And, and this is why some of this stuff uh, with psychics is just, you know, it's someone... Who, who's good at reading people and they're just scamming and then there's others that definitely move in the demonic and demons speak to them and so forth 
And, and there's familiar spirits that know all about you. Demons are not stupid. They were angels that were created with great glory and they fell in rebellion against God. They know your family tree. They know where you were at different places at different times. But one thing they don't know is they don't know the future. Um, they don't know the Lord. They know he is Lord and they are liars. And they always wrap truth in lies to deceive. Now notice here as well, he says you shall... Uh, not shave the sides of your head. This is why you go to Israel today and Orthodox Jews have what? Ringlets, right? Now, now you know where they get that from. You don't shave the side of your hands, so you got this ringlet thing. They take it to the extreme, you know, a couple slinkies over here and whatnot. <laughs> he says here, um, nor disfigure the edges of your beard. And again, you see that full-grown beard with the Orthodox. We're free in Christ. We have freedom in the Lord in these areas. We even have freedom in these other ways. In fact, in Christ, we're free to do all things, but we're to edify and we are to walk in holiness in all things. All things are lawful, right? But they're not all profitable. And Paul says, I won't be brought under the power of any of those things. Why? Because we have freedom because we're under the power of the Lord. He says not to cut yourself. And there are a lot of people in our culture today that struggle with cutting themselves. Remember Legion, he cut himself as he was chained up there in that cemetery. Someone can say, well, I have freedom to cut myself. Listen, you're free in Christ, but not all things are lawful. And if he is your Lord, then your heart says, I don't want to be brought under the power of that. I want to be under the power of the Holy Spirit. But this cutting, it is associated oftentimes with demonic uh, influence and so forth. I've counseled a lot of people over the years that struggle with cutting themselves. And if tonight you do, and it's not a stretch at all, uh, I, I don't know anyone who does here, but maybe you do. And let me tell you, if you do, if you struggle with that, you're not alone. There's a lot of people who do. I want to encourage you in that, though, to know that's not God's heart and will for you. The Lord does not want you to be doing that to your body. There's better ways to deal with stress and issues and coming to the Lord. And I can't encourage you enough to bring that before the Lord, ask him to deliver you from that, and to get some counseling. Come and we'll, we'll set you up with someone to help minister to you in that so that you can overcome with that. And then notice again the tattoos, the marks on your body. And, and again, we have freedom in the Lord. And I know there's some people that they want to say, if you tattoo your body, you're sinning while they wear a, 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 a linen and wool garment. <laughs> and we got to keep it real here, right? And culturally that's, culturally, that's a pretty accepted thing in this culture we're living in today. But here's the matter is what's in your heart and you're doing that. Is that under the glory of God? Is that under the glory of yourself? What's the reasoning behind that? Who's edified in that? I've heard some people, again, they tattoo themselves and they make an argument for it. And again, we have freedom in Christ. And you know what? Hopefully that's the case. Um, again, in our culture today, it's, it's pretty commonplace and so forth. But uh, again, it's an area that you got to look at your heart and what's the purpose behind it and so forth. And um, so uh, again, he says here, I am the Lord. Verse 29, he says, do not prostitute your daughters to cause her to be a harlot, lest the lamb fall into harlotry and the lamb become full of wickedness. And you, you read a verse like this, you're like, why, is, why do we even need that there? Uh, because of the depravity of man and and sadly um there there are there are a lot of people today that prostitute their children 
we'll deal with reality here. Um, there's code words that they put on even Craigslist where someone knows if they're looking for a mom to prostitute their son or daughter or a dad to do that, you can find it in most major cities just on Craigslist. There are words that are used. I'm not going to, I know just from research and talking to people that have come out of it, uh, some of those phrases, and I know it changes oftentimes, um, but that's the depravity of man. That's sinful men. That's the wickedness of man. Satan would have us all to be in that place. And praise God, even people in that place, if they truly repent and call on Christ, the blood of Jesus is sufficient to wash them and forgive them. But notice here again, uh, lest the lamb fall into harlotry. Because if there's parents willing to prostitute their children, the land, the whole land is falling apart. The, 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 the backbone of a land is supposed to be the family. The family was made before the church ever was. And it was a godly family with Adam and Eve and so forth in it. But when you get to a place where a culture is plagued with human trafficking and people looking at their children just for profit and so forth, you have a land that is, that is, that is stacking up the judgment of God against it. And we read the book of Revelation where it talks about Babel and it talks about them selling souls and selling bodies and so forth. And there's more human trafficking, there's more slavery, there's more parents prostituting their children than any other time in the history of the world. It ain't even close. Some of the things that go on uh, in different nations, some of the things that go on uh, in our own nation, some of the things that go on in our own community. And sometimes you hear about some of it um, you know, in the news when things come out, um, I've been here for a long time and, and I know about a lot of things and, uh, there's an underbelly in most cultures, in most communities that is, that is grossly perverse where there's things that go on that are unthinkable where you would think that would never happen here, but it's happening here. Uh, ritual abuse. I mean, great atrocities to children, uh, there's people in our own fellowship that things have happened to. And, you know, they've, they've confided to me, and I would never uh, share that without any of their permission by name. Uh, but our land needs to be prayed for. Because, um, you know, I, I would even take it as far as what I talked about earlier. If, if you as an adult, if your child is saying, as a boy, I think I'm a girl, and you run with that, that's child abuse right there. You might as well be prostituting your child. You're not looking out for them. I'll look at anyone on the face of the earth in the eye and say that to them. And if you want to say I'm a bigot or something, you're insane because that not only goes against God's word, it goes against truth and science and everything else. You, that, that is a, a, a child. And even on top of that, most of those children, and it's a lie no matter what, they grow out of that. They even grow out of the lie of it, the confusion of it, uh, the bulk of them, go past it but again when you got preschool teachers and now we talked about the fairness act they're trying to pass kindergarten teachers indoctrinating kids that's how the enemy works he put what did he do with eve he put forth a lie right he put forth that lie and got it under her head and uh we we just need to be praying for our land he says in verse 30 we talked about this last week you shall keep my sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary i am the lord the sabbaths with that day of rest another picture of christ when we come to Christ, we cease from works. We're saved by grace through faith. Verse 31, it goes with what we just talked about. Give no regard to mediums. Notice here, and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Give no regard to them. Give no regard to a medium who would be that 
intercessor between you and the dead and it's not the dead listen you die once and you face the judgment it is a familiar spirit demons that are familiar with you you all have demons tonight that are familiar with you just as we have guardian angels the bible speaks of satan is very organized he talks about powers and principalities there are demons that are assigned to your family there's demons that are assigned to our community they're assigned to your family there's demons to assign to your person now do you need to fear that listen if you fear god you don't need to fear that if you have the fear of god if you don't want to walk with the fear of god i'll be truthful you should fear that but if you're covered by the blood of jesus and you're drawing near to him you want to honor the lord we need to be aware of the schemes of the devil and not be ignorant and and not to bring a, a reviling accusation it says in jude but in the lord we don't need to fear you're in christ jesus he is with you to the end of the age you got the best bodyguard in the world but give no regard and there's a lot of people that give regard uh, to familiar spirits this stuff again it's 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 very active today a lot of people involved there there's there's a lot of i mean when you read about bethel church and bill johnson jesus culture music you know you turn on the radio it's there they practice what's called grave sucking they go to Catherine Kuhlman's grave, they lay on it, they try to suck out, they pray for a double anointing from her grave. That's, this, this is, that's, that's being addressed right here. And it's mainstream. That a group like that used to be just off in some corner up in Redding where it's the most depressed community in California. And yet they say it's the greatest move of God in the world, yet their community is the most depressed community in California saturated with gross drug abuse and poverty and, 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 and just, just it's, it's just such an oppressed place. And they practice a, a Christianity that is not biblical. They preach a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible. Bill Johnson says Jesus ceased being God on earth. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they practice things like that these firewalks and sucking from the graves. Their prophets practice divination. They're not accurate in their prophecies. They say if you get a 60%, you know, it's success rate, you're a prophet of God. That's not biblical. That's mixing error with truth. (laughs) And again, I know some people say, boo, Steve, you're the bad guy in this. I don't care because I'm going to give an account to God. And are we going to mix error with truth? Or are we going to walk in truth? And so if I'm, you know what, ruining someone's playlist on their CDs or whatever, well, go buy a different one. <laughs> Again, Isaiah eight nineteen, he says, And when they say to you, seek after those who mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony if they do not speak according to this word it's because there is no light in them and when people aren't speaking again to the word of god saying they represent god he says right here there's no light in them 32 he says you shall rise before a great gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your god i am the lord and again we are called to respect the elderly for multiple reasons one being one day by God's grace, you'll be old. <laughs> we live in a culture, though, that very much uh, 
fall short in that. Um, notice he says, respect them and fear God. There's a lack of fear of God when you do not respect the elderly. Um, when, when, when you look at the elderly as just a nuisance or weak or whatever, and I'll get political on this, Obamacare does not respect the elderly. There's less and less provisions as you get older and older. There are nations today, uh, you know what, we talk about third world countries, I guess you call them first world countries in, in uh, uh, Europe, Canada and so forth, that just are pushing and pushing and pushing that if you get to a certain age, you don't get any medical care. In fact, they're pushing for euthanasia because they say you're no good for us anymore. We don't respect the elderly. And that's just where you get a culture that does not respect human life. That's how you get Nazi Germany. Listen, the Jews weren't the first killed in Nazi Germany. They started by killing their own disabled children. And that's why when Iceland and these different countries celebrate, there's no more Down, Down syndrome children because they've killed them all. That is, that is horrifically, horrifically wicked and, and satanic and, and evil. And so again, um, have a fear of God. Uh, respect the elderly and so forth. Uh, 33, and if a stranger dwells with you in the land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so again, a stranger dwelling, this would imply someone who has residence, uh, it would be one who resides as a resident amongst you, that you are to, to, to treat him well. You're not to be prejudiced in that. You're not to exclude them. You yourselves for once, you know what, um, strangers, and we've all been strangers before. As a fellowship, we have to have a, a welcoming heart to people that we don't know, people that maybe don't look like you, people that maybe don't talk like you, and so forth. And one thing I've been blessed, you know, in this church for 20 years, there's always been a, there's always been a potpourri of different people. And, and, I, and I like that. I don't want to pastor a cookie-cutter cookie cutty, cookie cutter church where everyone looks alike. I'll get it out. I mean, every tribe and tongue is going to be in glory. And I, I know Atascadero is demographically challenged. But um, I, rejoice, I rejoice when I'll look out on a Sunday morning and see, you know, the homeschool family with, with everyone in dresses and three rows behind. There's some dude tatted out from top to bottom who's come to Christ and worshiping God. I'm like, glory to God. Now, again, we want to walk in holiness. We also don't want to walk in legalism. And, and it takes maturity for that to be the case. It, it takes an understanding of Scripture and how we are to walk in love and what that's supposed to look like. And, and that can be a challenge for some folks. Um, so he says, again, if a stranger dwells in your land. Now, this is a verse that there's a lot of social justice warriors that take out of context to, to promote open borders. Open borders promotes communism. Communism has killed more people in the history of the world than just about anybody. Please go study your history books. God is the one that put borders in place. Please go read Genesis 11 if you think I'm lying. Proverbs 22, 28, do not remove the ancient landmarks which your father has set. There's right ways of doing things. There's wrong ways of doing things. There's laws. Governments are put in place by God to enforce laws. So when you see people take this verse out of context, get it back in context and understand the teaching of Scripture. Does it mean that we, we are prejudiced against different people? No, we are to love all people 
But at the same time, there are certain checks and balances that God have put into place. He's the one that scattered people. He's the one that made nations and borders. We are to take the gospel out to the four corners of the earth. But again, he has also brought these things in to have order and so forth. And the Antichrist world system is a one world government. And that's what he's pushing for. So that he can, again, control things. And there will be a couple awesome teachings on that over the next few Wednesday nights. And I got like three minutes to finish. We're going to make it. He says, you shall do no injustice in judgment and measurement of length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, honest ephah, and honest hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And today you might not be doing uh, business with scales, you know, of this variety and so forth. But we do them on computer. We, you know what, have spreadsheets and so forth. And what he is saying here is, is fear God when it comes to your business dealings. And um, unfortunately, over the years, I've dealt with a lot of people who put a little fish on their card, and they end up being the biggest swindlers in the world. And I heard someone say once, and I think they were spot on, that fish can either be a, a great welcome or it can be a, a, a phenomenal warning. And it's amazing how many people will throw a fish on there and then justify cheating everybody and they they think they they think the lord has appointed them to weasel everybody out of an extra 20 percent in the name of jesus and uh i just can't encourage you enough when it comes to business to be honest and look to be a blessing don't be cheap in giving tips to people that do a good job and what they're doing you know don't don't have that mentality of well i'm a christian i'm always to get the discount listen i'm a christian my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The gold and silver is his. Let me see how I can be a blessing to some individuals that come out and labor. It's amazing how many opportunities you can get from that mentality of even sharing Jesus and properly representing him. And then verse 37, he says, you shall observe all my statutes and my judgments and perform them. I am the Lord your God. So he reiterates this again. This is my law. You're to walk in this. You're not to mix your error in and so forth. Unfortunately, uh, Israel would have some good times, <clears throat> but for the most part, they would shun these things and it would be to their detriment. Now again, praise God, we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He atoned for our sins. We have salvation in him. If you do not know him, today's the day of salvation. I can't encourage you enough to humble your heart and ask him to be your Lord tonight. And then let's remember, all those that name the name of the Lord Jesus are depart from iniquity. And we do that by drawing near to him. So Lord, we thank you tonight. We praise you. Uh, we thank you for your word, the truths in it. We thank you, Lord, that these things are not put forth for our detriment, our harm, but, God, for your glory, and, Lord, for even our prosperity in the Lord Jesus Christ to abound in you in our walk with you, God, and be salt and light. And so help us with these things, Lord. I know we're talking about a lot of things here in Leviticus 19 that are pertinent to today. And, Lord, um, Lord if there's certain things that were talked about, Lord, that, that are where anyone in this room is at, or for that matter, even anyone watching online is at, Lord, I want to pray they'll draw near to you. And they lay these things down before you. And if there's some areas, God, where they need to reach out and get some counseling and help, that they would do that. And we would even be able to make that available, God, because we know that you've come to set souls free. And we want that to be the case, Lord Jesus. So again, bless the rest of our night. We pray these things and ask them in Jesus' name. We said together, amen.